Our first scripture reading will be Psalm 137. It's on page 565. I believe it runs over to 566. Please join me first, if you will, and pray with me the prayer of illumination. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is for us. It teaches us. We need your word as we strive to follow you and follow the path that Christ has set for us. At times we are confused by your word and do not understand. We pray that you will infuse us with understanding of your word, grant us minds to think and hearts to feel as we contemplate your word. May we, like the psalmist poet, know the sentiments of pensive melancholy full of lament and seeking revenge. And may our hearts feel the awakening of fond memories of the past, and by your word, may we, like the poet, be sustained by a plaintive cry of pathos for a lively and passionate hope for the future. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray, and may all God's people join in saying, Amen. Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem's fall. How they said, tear it down, tear it down. Down to its foundations, O daughter Babylon, you devastator. Happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy they shall be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. The word of the Lord. Somebody has taken something from me that's really going to mess us up here. I feel so much better. All right. I want to say a special word of welcome to people who are streaming. You know, a lot of folks are uh, tuning in who are not able to be here live, but they are uh, with us in spirit, uh, and welcome to them. 
and uh, I would invite them as well as you, if you would like to read along, our New Testament lesson comes from the letter, the second letter of Timothy, the second epistle of Timothy, and we're going to start in the first chapter and read uh, verses 1 through 14. So listen now for the word of God to the church that we get from 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God does not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me, In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the beginning verses of 2 Timothy make it clear that this is no ordinary church letter. It is a faithful and loving family letter. The writer addresses Timothy as my beloved child and my loyal child in the faith. And just as notably, this writer, clearly a spiritual father to Timothy, gives much of the credit for Timothy's spirituality to women in his life. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the letter says, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, And now, I am sure, lives in you. Lois, whose name is of Greek origin, meaning agreeable or desirable, passed her faith and her love of the scriptures to both her daughter and her grandson. 
She raised a daughter who was first a devout Jew but became a faithful Christian after Lois's conversion. These two women, more than anyone else, are given credit for raising a young man who loved the Lord and served him well. For centuries, we in the church have sung with great passion about the faith of our fathers. Faith of our fathers, we will love both friend and foe in all our strife and preach thee too as love knows how by kindly words and virtuous life. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. But 2 Timothy also reminds us of the many, many ways that Christian disciples and Christian churches have been blessed by the faith of our mothers, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, powerful women who have laid strong foundations of faith with devotion and encouragement, hope and love. When I was little, I used to love visiting my grandparents' home in Iron Station, North Carolina. You probably haven't heard of it, but I can still remember the rusted sign on Highway 27 that I would see when we neared the home place. Iron Station, unincorporated, population 500 and some. I checked, and today the population has blossomed to 716, so they're doing all right. But every time I drove up that gravel driveway, I would crane my neck over to see what was happening with the vine. It seemed huge to me when I was that small. It was 12 to 15 feet long, five or six feet wide, just as high, tall. It covered a metal frame in the backyard right next to the garden. And that vine had at least four thick wooden stems that would rise up out of the ground, one in each corner of that frame. But after only a few feet of climbing, it then became almost impossible to know where one branch ended and another began. The branches came together and intertwined as one unified organism of stems and leaves and grapes. And even if those muscadines were not in, even if it was the dead of winter, I could still picture the big bunches of bluish-black orbs that hung on that vine every September. And I could imagine, as many of you probably can, the sweet burst of flavor that came when I would bite into the broken end of that grape and squeeze that juicy, the juicy contents of that grape into my mouth. And I knew in my bones the acquired skill of separating as much pulp as I could from the seeds, how to swallow as much of the good stuff as I could, and then spit out the rest. That vine has always been for me a symbol of family and of faith. And I came to know intuitively, viscerally, just why Jesus compared the family of God to a living vine. My grandparents on my father's side were strong, simple country people. My grandfather worked in a sawmill. When my dad and his siblings were grown, my grandmother worked in the post office. They always had a big garden and they always pulled a bountiful harvest out of it somehow. 
Grandmom knew that okra was my favorite as long as it was fried the way she always fried it. And so she would always fry a special batch for me to have. Neither of my grandparents went to college, but their children did. I think that my grandmother actually would have loved college and been pretty good at it. It just wasn't an option for her, given her family situation, given their financial situation, and frankly, given the expectations of her culture. She certainly had a brain for it. She did the crossword puzzle every day very, very quickly. She saw the world with very clear eyes and always spoke the truth, often uncomfortably directly. She was as tough as you would imagine a child of the Depression with 11 brothers and sisters would be. For example, when she had a stroke at the grocery store, she just gritted her teeth and drove herself home, gripping the steering wheel extra tight because for some reason the car wanted to pull off to one side of the road for the entire trip home. She beat breast cancer and she gave congestive heart failure a good run for its money. She was incredibly strong, but she never gave us a reason to question her love for us. She was always so supportive of me. She was always kind and loving to my wife. My children meant a lot to her, and she loved them without hesitation or qualification, and her faith was as solid as a rock and never left her. My grandmother seemed especially proud when I decided to leave my law practice and go to seminary. Something about it just seemed to make her spirit happy. And I've preserved the letters she wrote to me during that period. And now that you know a little bit of her story, I want to read you some of the things that she wrote. And as I do, I invite you to think of the women in your own life who have laid foundations of faith for you. Think of the women who taught you how to love, how to hope, how to endure, how to keep the faith. And if you have trouble thinking of someone who did that for you, then I pray that you will hear in these words the whisper of Christ, who is always the sure foundation and who has always loved you so much that he gave everything to bring you home. So allow me to read a few of these letters to you. Dear Peter, Stephanie, Molly, and Kate, Hope you are staying good and warm during this cold, cold weather. I've been staying in about three weeks or more. Haven't been to church much since Christmas. Kathy has been going to the grocery store and bringing my groceries, so I have been faring very well. But I think I will welcome spring when it gets here. I heard about your good and successful trip to Wilmington, was glad to hear everything went well and you got back home safe. I don't have much news to write about. Staying in, I don't learn much. But I am thankful to have my home to stay in. I am very content and waiting for my next birthday, which is a few days ahead, if I shall last that long. 
That is all the news I have for now, and I am sure you are trying to read my scribbling. My fingers just will not move right for me. They are getting old too. Hope your lessons are not too hard and you are doing good, though I am sure you are. Kiss the girls for me and tell them that I love them and all of you be good and stay warm with love, Grandma. Dear Peter and family, just writing you a note for my writing is getting so poor in my old age, my fingers does not want to work. Hope you are doing well now with your work and studies. I'm going to church some when the weather is all right for me to drive. Our church voted to get one of those new hymnals. (laughs) I think there are a good many changes in it. The service and the hymns. Maybe I can learn it. I will try. Hope you can read this. Good luck, everyone, and good night. Love, Grandmom. Dear Peter and family, how are you all today? I'm sure you are better with all the family together again. As for me, I am feeling better today after going to have my ears cleaned for wax (laughs) and then to have an x-ray of my head. Last night, I didn't feel that, that swirling in my head like it had been doing, so I hope it is leaving and I couldn't be more thankful. Peter, glad your studies are interesting. Makes it easier to do. Stephanie did a good job keeping everything going while you was away. Tell the girls I love them and think of them often. Hope to see you soon with love, grandmother. P.S. I hope you can read this. (laughs) Dear Peter and family, I haven't forgotten you. I really think of you every day and hope everything is going good with all of you now and every day and your studies are coming along good. I'm better now after that spell of vertigo that lasted a couple of weeks. We have been busy with that little garden we had. Wished you was close enough to share it with us. I have never seen a little garden produce so much more than we could use, so we shared it with neighbors and many others. I froze two pints of okra the other day, wishing you could get it one day. Well, I hope everyone is well and good. Tell Molly and Kate I look at their pictures and I got some that was made the last trip to Blowing Rock. They have grown and changed very much. I love you all and am proud of the life you have decided to do. Hope to see you soon. With love, grandmother. Dear Peter and family, hope you all are still getting good with everything, books and all. Have been enjoying the tapes of you in the church. Hard to believe you are preaching in my home. These commuters are doing all kinds of things. I think she meant computers, but we may never know. (laughs) I am about the same, still going around some this morning to the church, to the day group meeting, had hot dogs for lunch and desserts, played bingo for a while, 
Last Sunday, I did not go to church. I went to the Bynum reunion, had a good crowd there, but many of the young ones, I don't know who they are. On Monday, they brought me the flower placed in the Alexis Baptist Church in memory of the family. The family have all gone, but Gene, the youngest, and me. Harold told me last week he was really thinking of retiring soon. I hope if he does, he will be satisfied. He has worked so long. Tell Molly, Robert and Kathy began yesterday trimming back the grapevine. Much of it was rotting. I hope it will grow out again. If we could just get some rain... So dry here. They are calling for some today. I will be thankful for every drop. Tell Molly and Kate I love them. Think of them often, and all of you. I do not write much anymore. My fingers doesn't work so well. With love to all, Grandmom B. And then there was this one. And you can't see this, but it is just a little notepad. And at the bottom, there are three birds, robin, redbreasts, and they are sitting in a vine. And this is what she wrote. To Molly and Kate, these pretty little birds, they are singing a song to you. I love you. I love you. To borrow the phrasing of this letter to Timothy, I am reminded of our calling to sincere faith, a faith that lived first in my grandmother, LaVon Bynum, and in my mother, Mary Jane Bynum, and now I pray lives in me. And I pray that you too will recall those women who have planted seeds of faith in you, faith that still grows in the vine, that remains rooted in God and gives us life. Faith of our grandmothers living still, in spite of illness, age, and pain. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whene'er we hear their faithful refrain faith of our grandmothers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Thanks be to God.